Amber, would you like a fun fact? I would hate a fun fact. I would never forgive you if you gave me a fun fact. Well, but I do guess it anyway. our friendship is about to be irrevocably damaged because I'm coming at you with a fun fact. So, the OC I made for Critical Role, Gled, is, I think, the first time I've made a straight-up gay character wherein I wasn't using it as kind of a bit and it was a meaningful part of their identity but it wasn't the whole of their identity i just sort of decided they have a crush on percival and that's going to be a thing that happens in the campaign and i don't think they end up together because that character is kind of fundamentally toxic and the thing he likes about percival is percival is a little toxic but the character mm -hmm. arc i understand that percival has is he stops doing that so there's a bit where galed gets to say because oh, Galad uh, gives his life up at the end of it, and he's like, be the man I admired, not the man I fell in love with, because the thing he liked about Percy was that he was a little shitty like him. So that's just a fun fact for you. That's so much more character-rooted and, and, and depthful than anything else we're going to talk about today. I hope you all enjoyed that. It's over now. It's time for memes! There was a way better opener. Like, like, like for, for contrast, the cold opener that I was going to go for... If I had gone first, was I was gonna say, um, "Hi, I'm I'm here with a pizza. I have an extra large sausage pizza with extra sausage <laughs> for you, Devin." And I, and I, and our card reader's down right now, so we're gonna need to find some other way for you to pay. Like that was that was I didn't have an exit to that joke either. I was just gonna say that and see what you did. Oh, I, I think out of tried to remember a line from Detective Heart of America, but then realizing I couldn't, I'd just be like, Detective Heart of America, Pinocchio! <laughs> we should really do a Detective Heart of America episode someday. What a movie. I'd love an excuse to rewatch. Welcome um, to Original Podcast Do Not Steal, the weekly podcast in which every week Devin and I um, take some kind of an absolutely legendary and uh, mythic original property um, it's a good one every time. We've never done a bad original property, including this week. It's, it's, there's nothing ironic about it ever. Um, and we make an original character in that franchise. Um, today we're going to be talking about Mr. Boop, but before we talk about Mr. Boop, we have to do our weekly parasocial bonding activity, where we ask a fun parasocial bonding question. So my question for you this week, Devin, um, is what is the best and worst job that you've ever had? Okay, how long... Do you want me to stay on this question? Because I have so many goddamn work stories. That's that's why I'm going to ask you before I go off. <laughs> I'm not asking about the work stories. I've already heard many of them. There are also many I have not heard that I would love to hear about at some point. I'm, I'm sort of asking for like a broad level. And then maybe if you're like really driven to give me like a ah, work story from, from, from one or both places. Okay, so my first job ever was hi listeners have you ever been to a fair are you from the midwest do you love do we introduce ourselves my name is amber autumn she her and i'm from indiana hi i'm prince devon and i like cornhole which means i'm also from indiana sorry just apologies to everyone for that fact about us sorry that we're from indiana so if you're a local yokel from the midwest you've been to a county fair You've saw the 4-H bring out their livestock, and you've had an elephant ear. And you know, in other parts of the oh, world, God, they just call it ears. fucking... They call it fried dough. Pisses me off to no end. No, that shit's elephant ears. Yeah, it's an elephant ear, goddammit. But my first job was I was one of the people who made the elephant ears. Because I was like, hey, mom, 
that summer job you talked about as a kid, are they hiring? And my mom went, yeah. And then I talked to, I think, Mana. And Mana was like, we always need new workers. We always need new workers. And you are more (laughs) than welcome to be one of them. And Jesus that, fucking Christ. That was my job for like six years. I worked at a fair. I went all throughout this great country making fried treats and steak and potatoes. God, I haven't talked about the steak and potatoes in so fucking long. But yeah, no other job so far has had the heights that job has had. I've made some wonderful friends who I don't talk to as much as I should, but I look back upon them quite fondly. And some fucking existential lows some straight up crying at that fucking mm-hmm. job mm-hmm. but yeah that's me we all have that break room that's there to cry in you talked that you said you like gave me a lot of stories about ike over the course of that job yeah i love ike he's great good people man so's ramon i love pj oh man i will talk to pj for hours and we will just talk make jokes about fucking slams god what a good time oh i call Corey dad i <laughs> I look at Corey more fondly than I look at my real dad. And that's not something I've ever told him, but I think it all the time. Admittedly, looking at Corey more kindly than you look at your real dad is kind of like saying that it, uh, something is drier than the ocean. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm about, saying? I was about to say, I also feel that way looking at my pets. So like, there, you know, what are you going to do? My current job is probably the best job I've ever had. I work, I'm a library technician at, um, at a, a little local public library. I shelve books, and I tell kids where the Harry Potter books are, and the Minecraft books, that's honestly the more common one, and I help old people uh, check their email and use the printer. Um, uh, it's a great job. I get to really feel like I'm useful sometimes, and a lot of the time I get to just like listen to my gay little video essays while I do mindless shelving and, like, the pay's good and the benefits are great. Um, it's a union job, and I fucking think that's super sexy of all the people who set that union up for me. Can I guess your worst job? Yeah, go for it. Guess my worst job. Was it when you were a late-night unboxer at Target? Yes. So, I it's it's tricky, because I worked, I worked that job. The summer that I worked as a late-night unboxer at Target, I was also working at a Krispy Kreme. Um, I was working both of those jobs. I was working, like, 60 hours a week for that summer. It was a fucking nightmare. I, like, literally would bike, like, 45 minutes to Krispy Kreme, put in a shift, bike 45 minutes home, sleep for, like, four hours, wake up, bike, like, 45 minutes to Target, work a shift, bike, like, 45 minutes at home, sleep four hours. Like, I was sleeping in four-hour shifts for, like, a summer. There was one day when I, like, had like, a couple of shifts in a row off, so I had, like, a full, like, 16 hours of sleep, 16 hours, I think, um, and I was like, yes, I have a day off, I went home, I fell asleep, I, like, was like, I don't have to set an alarm, and then when I woke up, I had slept the full 16 hours, and it was time to go to my next shift, it's the, it's the longest I've ever slept, it was the most tired I've ever been, so it's kind of hard to, like, separate those two in my mind, like, the jobs were even, like, right next to each other, just, like, 45 minutes away from my house, um, so like the, like the combination target Krispy Kreme, but I fucking love those donuts. Like I ate like a dozen donuts a day that whole summer that I worked there. And I was like starting that job. I was like, at the end of that summer, I'm going to hate these donuts. And then the last day of that job, I was like, man, you know what I could go for is another Krispy Kreme donut. I want it on the record that I got through the whole time of you talking about your carnival job without a single time calling you a carny. So Mr. Boop.
Oh, fucking hell. Mr. Boop. Okay, fucking Jesus fucking Christ. Um, fucking you, shit. Fuck you and picked shit. it, man. Fucking, fucking shit and fuck and Christ and fuck and shit and fuck and Christ. Diarrhea hell. dog fucking shit <laughs> leaking out of every orifice, including my ass. What were the game designers thinking? Mother of <laughs> fuck! <laughs> Mr. Boop is uh, a, I'll say a webcomic. Let's start there. Mr. Boop is a webcomic that was, um, <laughs> it's a, it's a comic strip by Alec Robbins, um, a man who is definitely listening right now. Thank you for listening in, Alec. I'm definitely tweeting this at you when it comes out. And so I'm assuming that you're listening right now. Thank you for making it 10 minutes in. Um, I'm assuming that you've been masturbating furiously the whole time just in anticipation of us talking about your comic book. I know that sounds like a very strange thing for everyone else to say, but trust me, it makes sense in the context of the comic strip for some reason. It's a comic strip that got originally published sometime in like the, like it started being published in the early days of the pandemic sometime. Like a four panel comic that got published a few times a week that was just Alec Robbins writing about his real life marriage to Betty Boop the cartoon character who he is married to in real life. They're really married. Alec Robbins is really, truly married to fictional character, um, Betty Boop. And that was what the comic strip was about. Like, it was literally just like every comic was Alec going, I'm so lucky I'm married to Betty Boop. Uh, I gotta tell the guys at work about this one. And him talking about how much he wants to have sex with his wife, Betty Boop. Um, uh, his, his, what is it, like, a 94-year-old wife, Betty Boop. Okay, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, no, we've barely even started, but I can understand why one would have questions at this point. Please go on. So my brain can already, like, fill in the part where you're like, and then, like, Shag and Scoob halfway through it gets serious and awesome. It might go down that, but are, are we going to make an OC in a setting that is a guy's, like, purest fan fiction, purest... This is the fictional character I want to have sex with. We are? There's a little bit more to the setting than that. I think it's going to work. I, I I see a route through this, I promise. I promise I have a plan for us. I've got you, baby. I've got you. You're safe with me. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm the Joker, baby. <laughs> the Joker would actually not be a bad call for this. Anyway, um, so it's Alec and his wife, Betty Boop. Um, having sex a lot, and um, uh, and that was the comic, and it went really viral. Um, and and this was when I, along with a lot of other people, discovered it. It's really funny, like the core joke of him just saying I'm married to Betty Boop in real life over and over again in various ways. It's funny, and it got published in like four different paperback volumes and then one beautiful deluxe hardcover that I actually own and am holding in my hands right now. God. And uh, yeah, like, uh, like predictably it does get more serialized over time, sort of sneaks in through the back door. Some things that feel like jokes end up being setups later, but this isn't like an order of the stick type deal where it like ends up being this like super big dramatic plot line like it is very much a joke the whole way like from page one to page done it's a bit i'm sorry alec i know you're listening and i know that you're heartbroken to hear it um that i that i think that your life is extremely fucking funny your real actual irl life but i do it's funny um but one of the things that happens in the lore um it's just in as far as we're talking about um, uh, the universe and what the world of of 
Mr. Boop looks like because we're 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 coming up with OCs in the setting, so you got to know what the what the what the what the premise of the world is. Um, one of the major stories, uh, the storylines of the first volume of the of the strip, is that Betty Boop and Alex start having threesomes with other cartoon characters: Bugs Bunny and Peter Griffin from Family Guy, and Gardevoir from Pokemon, and Girl Ranma, and like uh, like the core aesthetic of the whole strip is like horny fucky cartoon characters like that's the thing and it is ironic and it is a joke and you also do see mickey mouse's penis on screen um and that like like the fact that it's copyright infringement becomes part of the meta bit like the fact that it is mickey mouse's penis that shows up is um is part of the joke and it all sort of like like lives in this like au where all of these cartoon characters are like live in modern contemporary normal times bugs bunny works at subway and then later on at amazon and there's this whole sub there's this whole plot line where they won't let bugs bunny pee because he works at amazon and they make him pee in a bottle right you know that whole amazon thing so so in terms of in terms of creating a cartoon character in terms of creating an oc for Mr. Boop, um, first, the, I think the steps are that we like we come up with a real cartoon character who it would be copyright infringement to call our OC, and then we make that character horny, but not in a hot way. Like we make them horny in a way that it's funny, and that no person would actually masturbate to, and then we call that an original character. Um, and then possibly we come up with like, what's their day job? So we're kind of just doing an OC, but the fact that we're calling it an original character is part of the joke. Once you said that more often I should go, Amber, that's fucking stupid. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, Amber, absolutely. This is fucking stupid. It's so fucking stupid, Devin. I like, that's the whole aesthetic of the whole thing is that it's fucking stupid. You also once said, that's the worst idea I've ever heard. We have to do it. That's the pitch of this podcast. So we have to do this stupid fucking idea. <laughs> I'm going to give editing us a little bit of work. I've just sent you a link, and I just want you to read the first like few strips. I just want you to look at the first couple strips. Hmm. Slow loading phone makes for great podcasting. <laughs> Is this why other podcasters don't take us seriously? Devin, this can't be why the podcasters aren't taking us seriously. We're cutting this out of our podcast. The podcasters aren't taking us seriously because we're doing an episode about Mr. Boop. <laughs> the non-existent correlationship between effort you put into a thing and how much traction a thing does. This will probably be the episode that does fucking numbers. Oh, it fucking will be. Because Alec Robbins, thank you again for listening, Alec. Um, I hope you're having a good time. Is gonna retweet it, and that's how we're gonna get famous. I put so much time into editing the fucking How We Do Star Wars episode and people are gonna <laughs> hear me talk about goddamn Mr. Boop that won't load on my fucking phone! <laughs> it's okay. If it's not loading, it's not loading. We don't have to... It's it's okay. It's okay, Devin. <laughs> I'm just going to put my phone to the side, and this is set up payoff. Eventually, this will load on my phone, so fucking... Amber, what character would be funny to see the penis and or titties <laughs> and or pussy of? 
Clifford the Big Red Dog, his big red rocket. Oh my fucking god, that's an incredible pick. I like right off the gate. That's perfect. This setting is truly awful if that's a perfect pick. That's <laughs> Yes, Devin, that's truly awful. That's right. We've had two episodes, if you are correct, and this gets retweeted, wherein we have had confirmation that the author of a work has listened to the podcast. And I didn't think that Nicholas Eames would give a shit about my podcast. And had I had that knowledge, that episode would have been different. I wouldn't have told him to suck my dick. But you know what? (laughs) You know what, Mr. Boop? Suck my dick! Can I just, I'm just going to do like a quick little dramatic reading of a little passage that's at the, at the, at the top of the hardcover. I hope everybody's okay with that. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do a quick introduction to, again, this is the hardcover of Mr. Boop. Um, introduction by Jim Davis, creator of Garfield. Fucking Jim Davis? Hold on. (laughs) Bear with me here, Devin. There is a twist coming. You hold in your hands the very first printed collection of Mr. Boop comic strips by Alec Robbins. I remember when I initially laid eyes on Mr. Boop. I remember it very well, as it was also the day I realized I would never amount to anything. As a cartoonist myself, I was instantly able to pick up on the expert levels of craftsmanship and storytelling on display in these comics. I remembered everything my younger, doe-eyed, optimistic self had wanted to become. A tiny man wearing glasses who was married to Betty Boop. Instead, I make millions in cursed blood money selling branded wall clocks, Happy Meal toys, and other useless merchandise. I live in the mansion Garfield paid for, but where in this mansion can I find the love of a beautiful, caring wife like Betty Boop? To date, I have drawn over 11,000 comic strips about a lazy cat who loves lasagna, and not one of them has come anywhere near the level of cultural importance oozing from even just a single Mr. Boop panel. What Mr. Robbins has crafted here is incredibly special. Not only is each strip uniquely funny and bursting with erotic tension, but they are all poured straight from the glorious picture of real life. Robbins lays bare his true soul in each of these strips, offering up something both vulnerable and touching. When he and Betty lock lips, do we not feel a pang of jealousy? Do we not wonder what those lips might taste like upon our own? These are not the qualities of a Garfield comic. These are not the qualities of any comic but Mr. Boop. And to that I say, I have failed, and am ultimately nothing but a scourge upon this land. Excerpt taken from Jim Davis's suicide note. There was one time where a friend sent me the Ben Shapiro is hot TikTok account. (laughs) And they had, like, an obnoxious amount of followers. Far more than I did. And I was like, knowing that this is successful makes me never want to make content again. And they were like, no, the randomness of it doesn't, like, fill you with a sense of fair. And I go, no, it makes me feel bad and, like, I don't want to make anything ever again. And I think this is what I'm feeling (laughs) again about Mr. Boop having a fucking hardcover comic. So I will say, um, in 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 your defense, Alec Robbins works like professionally on like the Eric Andre show on like a couple of big big name comedy productions before Mr. Boop happened, um, and so already had something of a fan base before the strip began. Like that's a big part of working in the entertainment industry. Like I have a film degree. Um, to anybody who's not like currently aware of that, I, I I got a degree in film from Northwestern University, and like like one of the ma- the most common truisms in like film school 
um, is that the degree is like way, way, way less important than like the the connections that you make there because it's such a connections based industry. Um, and 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 obviously this is just like a special case where like the comic strip did go viral, right? And there there is an element of like random internet virality that happened there in accordance with like also it just like genuinely being a very funny strip in my opinion. And and you can't account for that like random like. Um, like, like like that image that's like random Tumblr user and it's a kid about to hit them with a ball and it's labeled Apollo and the gift of prophecy. Um, uh, like sometimes that just like happens, like virality just happens to you. Um, and the probability of that obviously goes up when you have a background working on the Eric Andre show. I don't know, like I like I wouldn't necessarily take take that to be a reflection that like Mr. Boop is a more objectively better work than your Psychonauts video essay. Everybody should go watch Devin Psychonauts' video essay, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm here to plug your work for you, baby. Honestly, you just saying already had a place in entertainment background. I was like, okay, yeah, that's fair. It's... Yeah. Ah, oh, fuck it. You know what? Fuck it. This episode's weird. I'm just gonna do it. I have an enormous problem with all of the D&D celebrity people. Because they're already motherfuckers who to some extent made it in the entertainment industry. Dimension 20 is exclusively motherfuckers that work at College Humor. All of the cast of Critical Role are professional fussy voice actors. I And not to be like, oh, the Matt Mercer effect, it, it sets people up for an unrealistic expectation of how Dungeons & Dragons should work, but I'm like, it's kind of fucking lame that the D&D celebrity people aren't everyday motherfuckers who play D&D. It is literal celebrities who happen to then play the game we all play. It upsets yeah. me, but such is the way of the world. It's a, it's it's kind of an off-topic episode in some ways, um, but that's just because the actual process of creating a character in this one is going to be um, really fast, and I think the, the artifact itself that we're talking about is actually sort of interesting. Like, there are some, like, pretty clear and interesting themes in the book, right? Like, it is, in some ways, like, about copyright. Like, that is one of the the major ideas like it's it's done in a jokey way it is it is thinking about like our relationship to fictional characters and our relationship to copyright anyway uh, i think i think clifford's a great choice clifford and his big red red rocket clifford needed emily so she chose him for his home but this furry man put Clifford's dick grow so big that the Howards had to leave their home. Clifford, stop coming on the couch! <laughs> um, Emily Elizabeth is a really important figure for me in fiction because um, uh, my name is Amber Autumn, which is four syllables and two first names. And I was really self-conscious about it for a while, and Emily Elizabeth is the fictional character I go to when I want to go like, hey, wait a minute, we all call that girl Emily Elizabeth and nobody fucking blinks about it. Um, my name is allowed to be Amber Autumn. Um, I mostly don't really need to do that to myself anymore, but that was useful to me, you know, when I was earlier in my in my in my transition and and needed somebody, which I bring up now because there's no fucking way we're ever gonna do a Clifford episode. I imagine probably. Um, part of me, my I have this instinct to be like, do we need to worry about Clifford being too young? But obviously, like that's also a criticism that they got preempted already. They already did that work for us with Betty Boop herself because Betty Boop is this character who's like 14 or so in her original appearances. Like she's young, but in this book, she's like 94 because in canon, the thing that happened um, is that she's 14 at the time of the original court cartoon. So in the comic strip, she's she's like 90, which is like a really elegant way, I think, of getting around that. Even though, like, she looks the same in the book as she does in the cartoons, because obviously she is drawn in the cartoons as an adult woman. 
obviously just uh, like that. Wait just... a minute. Hold on. So I could be wrong, but I believe the first female president in media was Betty Boop. And now you're telling me Betty Boop was 14 and I'm going to ignore the that's weird that Betty Boop is a sex icon. See our last episode where I made the joke that the 14-year-old girl is actually a thousand years old, so it's fine to jerk off. It's not, you freaks! You're bad people! But you're telling me that a 14-year-old was president? I'm Googling it. Uh, Betty Boop does become president of... Uh, of the United States in the 1932 animated short Betty Boop for President, but there was a 1924 silent sci-fi film, The Last Man on Earth, um, which is basically doing the why the last man thing, and there's a woman who becomes president in that because all of the adult men are dead in it. Not that that... I'm saying fictional character Betty Boop was too young to be well to she's be the not president fictional because she's married to whoever the fuck <laughs> right. made this webcomic i'm so fucking sorry i'm so fucking sorry alec robbins i'm so fucking sorry this episode is chock full of fun facts <laughs> uh it's very different than our normal episode uh but in some ways uh, no it fucking isn't so it does does our version of clifford like talk like presumably like we like we do want to avoid it being strict bestiality right we want more of like a furries vibe to it i think furries is a great vibe to cultivate here because the whole aesthetic of the mr boop franchise is like extremely cursed so so i think i think leaning into the the the, the furryism is good it isn't like bestiality like that's not the energy of okay my thought to get around the bestiality thing was Clifford pops his head off. It's a dude in there, and he pops out a cigarette, and he's like, it's a fucking living! (laughs) (laughs) It's just like a guy in a Clifford suit? Yeah. Like... (laughs) And you find out, because the kid's like, oh, Clifford, can I get an autograph? You can go fuck yourself! (laughs) Dreams die. So this is, I was gonna be a star on the big screen, and now I'm a fucking dog. Bark, bark. <laughs> so it's so it's it's a world where all of the other cartoon characters are real, but <laughs> but, but Clifford's, Clifford's an actor. <laughs> yeah, Clifford's a very disgruntled and disillusioned actor. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just sort of recovering. So, okay. Fuck. Is it just like a guy? Or yeah, is it like another dude. cartoon character? It's just a guy. Is his name also Clifford? Is it like a thing where he like he like put on like a fursuit one day and then like got a job with it and then now this has just like become his brand? Like what's Uh I was gonna say if it's another cartoon character, it's Coach McGurk from home movies. <laughs> Cause you've seen Bob's Burgers, right? I actually have not seen a single episode of Bob's Burgers in my life, I'm so sorry. Really? Shit. God, because I don't remember the guy's name, but it's the guy who voices Bob. He's the voice of Coach McGurk, so fucking Clifford popping his head off and it's that voice. It'd be so fucking funny. Oh, but yeah, I prefer just some dude, just some fucking 
Just some fucking dude who has to work with these damn kids, and he hates it because his dreams died. He's a director who does porn now because that's where directing dreams go to die. Okay, but he does absolutely have to fuck while in the Clifford suit, right? Like, Because it has to be horny but bad, right? It it has to be horny, but like cursed, certainly. You know whether it's bad or not is up to you know that's that's subjective. Um, uh, but listen, definitely... kid, you better fuck what you can while you're attractive, cause now I'm balding, and the only way Clifford gets any is when your mom is into dogs. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was the leading man of La Mancha. I'm I'm breaking up with you. I'm breaking up with you. I don't I don't know what you wanted out of this episode. It's I don't not this. know what I wanted either. Um, I guess this. I guess this is it. I guess I got what I asked for here. Oh, just fucking Clifford popping his head off and. Singing the impossible dream will smoke in a cigarette and cry. <laughs> oh, he's got a fucking autographed. <laughs> oh, what the fuck are the things you need? Like those professional shots, and they're like in your portfolio if you're an actor or whatever. One of the fucking five by tens, they're in black and white. He's got one of those signed by fucking Brian Stokes Mitchell, and he goes into his lonely apartment and he cries. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach you a little writing trick that works for for Mr. Boop, which is that half of the joke of Mr. Boop is just that you have a character say something that is so obvious that they should not need to say it, that it sort sort of doesn't make sense for them to be saying it because it, it's just so obviously true. Like like you have the character taking off his hat. And have him say out loud, um, I'm wearing a Clifford suit. And then have his thought bubble go, I'm wearing a Clifford suit. Like, that's the joke of of the whole fucking franchise. You you don't have him say, like, I was in Man of La Mancha. Uh, you, say, you have him say, um, I used to be really big on Broadway, but now I'm in this stupid Clifford sh- suit. And then the next panel, you have him say, it's a living. Um, like, just, like, the most aggressively anodyne stuff to the point where it like loops over to being like artsy almost well you see amber i'm here to scream into this microphone and then you're here to explain how that would better fit within the narrative syntax of fucking mr boop good good use of narrative syntax in a sentence i love that word shout out to b mask he taught me what it is well, that is that is that is what we just did. Um, you shouted in the camera, and then I I, I translated to the narrative syntax of beleaguered sigh, Betty, uh, Mister Boop. Does the guy have a name? Is he is he also named Clifford? Yeah, his name's Clifford. Fuck it. Let's see if we can do this again. I'm gonna try to scream into the mic one more time. <laughs> oh God, this is stupid. You know, Alassie was autobiographical, right? Because I shot my fucking dog! I think that there are a couple ways that you could translate that, but I think the way that I imagine translating that is you have the character, like, like smoking, being like, um, 
I decided to do this autobiographically because I shot my dog. I didn't have a good reason to do it or anything. I just decided to shoot my dog one day. And then you have another character sitting next to them. Um, uh, and they say, like, why did you shoot your dog? I think I think the real answer um, uh, is that the character says, I just said I don't know why. Like, I, like I just said there was no reason. Um, uh, like with no it emotion. It was a reverse son of Sam situation. A man told me to shoot a dog. That one actually, you can just like put that on paper as it stands, as long as you just do it with like no, you 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 give the character no emotion. It, there's a period at the end of the sentence. <laughs> man told me to shoot a dog. I don't know why he did it. He just told me to, so I shot the dog. Period. That's the last panel in the comic. Like, that's the punchline. It's like an anti-joke. They're all anti-jokes. Remember when we did the Boomer comic strip? I do. That's a good episode. And I made at least two of two of those comics. I think I might make the <laughs> It's a Reverse Son of Sam situation. A man told me to shoot a dog, so I did. You gotta read a couple of the Mr. Boop strips first to make that happen. Just, you gotta. It's the rules. Uh, I guess I guess we do a fun fact a piece about <laughs> Clifford, Clifford the Furry. <laughs> That's absolutely the name <laughs> of the episode, right? Clifford the Furry? Yeah, Clifford the Furry. Oh, fucking Christ, man. <laughs> this episode is something. I fucking told you, last episode, I was like, we're going to do the dumbest episode that I can come up with. I said, I said South Park, and then I was like, no, no, no. I can do one dumber than South Park. Let's go. You did a reverse James Cameron. What if I made it worse? What if we made the technology more primitive? <laughs> Clifford doesn't have a nicotine addiction. He actually doesn't even like smoking. He just does it. And when you <laughs> ask him why, the next two panels are just silence the end. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine, like, a really long speech bubble in the first one being like, I don't have an addiction. I don't even enjoy smoking these cigarettes. I know that smoking these will uh, cause me to die sooner and that they will cause immeasurable health problems and I don't even enjoy doing it and I keep smoking them anyway. And then the other character says, why? And then, yeah, two blank panels. Um, that's a, that's a, that's a great Mr. Boop strip. Every time I have sex in this suit, I feel like I'm getting cucked by the big red dog. They don't love me. I think that I want Clifford to be in a in a full-time BDSM relationship with the entire cast of Shrek, and that every time we see him, he's on a leash being held by a different member of the cast of Shrek. That's a fucking sentence. I have a secondary fun fact. Amber, Please. did you listen to the Amber Retrieval Arc episode I did with Bob? Not yet. No. Okay. So this will be fun. You'll get back to me on this, but... We made a character, an Italian wizard named James Gandolfini. <laughs> of course and you did, I feel yeah. like Clifford and James Gandolfini are great friends. James Gandolfini, by the way, the character I most feel like could actually just show up in the next installment of Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> that <laughs> character will be canon before I'm dead. Did you do a Fantastic Beasts episode? Is that what that episode is? That's what that episode oh is. Oh my god, that's incredible. I can't wait to listen. Um, yeah, so sorry, Alec. Thank you for listening. Sorry for referencing South Park and Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them in your episode. 
Um, but in our defense, um, I would like to point you towards your own comic strip. Um, I think that that... I, I think apologize I... for nothing, Alec. In fact, I wish I was worse. <laughs> okay, well, in which case, I will simply apologize to everybody else listening. I think that's... I think that's... We can apologize to everybody else. I think... Oh, I, yeah, everyone else. Yeah. My deepest condolences. Yeah, this sorry, everybody. Um, thank you for listening. I don't, why are you... Why the fuck are you still here? How did you... How did you make it this far into this episode and you're still like, Oh, yeah, I wanna... I wanna keep seeing where this is going. No red flags here so far. <laughs> Just play a clip of any of the screaming I did in this episode. It's nothing but red. We, you know what? That the fucking opening of this episode is such a goddamn contrast. Now that we're here, and I know what the fuck this was. <laughs> Holy shit! But you can see now why I would have opened with the extra large sausage pizza with extra sausages. You could say that all the time playing D and D. I was setting the tone there. Well, um, sorry everybody. Uh, dumb episode. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Original Podcast. Do not steal. My name has been um uh uh Prince Devin the whole time. That's been me. Um, it was Devin that suggested this. Please ignore any evidence to the contrary. And I've been Captain Calcium, reminding all children throughout the greatest country in the world, America, that in order to have proper bone health, you need milk. I wonder what weird sex shit Captain Calcium's into. Thank you. For oh, you this don't been... want to know. <laughs> this has been the original podcast. Do not steal. Captain Calcium is into water sports. Uh, join us. <laughs> And not the kind you think. <laughs> I did. I did. Um, once sort of gets a, a waterboard my ex in a horny way. <laughs> that was <a> fucking ace. <laughs> Sorry that you know that information now. I've been trying to sign off in my defense. Join us next week when Devin tries to get us to talk about professional wrestling, but instead we talk about something way less fucking stupid than this. Devin, what are we talking about next week? Oh, I think we're going to do the Creepy Freaks episode. Because okay, I have great. that script written, I can just look at it there. Perfect. Uh, uh... And and thank you for joining us on our on our friendship, which at the moment is completely unmonetized, and which I can't en- imagine any way that we could monetize it, and therefore I shan't even dream such After a thing. This episode, I also can't even dream of it. Holy <laughs> shit! That's the true impossible dream. Bam! Brian Stokes Mitchell, baby. Okay. Um. Uh. Do I have any fucking sign off that could make any of this make sense or be worth it? Um. No. Goodbye.